Welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Rachel Adams with me as we have a conversation around Genesis chapter 43, what the Lord led her to and what he's teaching her. Rachel is a writer, a speaker, and the host of the Love Offering podcast. And she also has a devotional titled, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, which is going to release next October. Well, welcome, Rachel. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's so nice and a joy to be here. So uh, I gave a little brief introduction about you, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? So I am a Kentucky girl, which everybody can probably hear in my accent. And I've born and raised in the same small town. And my husband and I, we've been married for 15 years and we live on a, a farm with no animals, just lots of land to enjoy. Maybe some animals are in our future, but um, we have two uh, children. Will is 12 and a middle schooler and Kate is 10 and she's in elementary school. And so uh, most of my days are spent kind of caring for things around the home and um, making sure all my people are, are fed and well cared for. Uh, and then I write some and podcast some um, on the side. Well, one, I, I think it's so fun because we got connected through me being on your podcast and I just really connected with you and love you as a person and your relationship with the Lord. And so I'm super excited that you're, we're getting to do this together again. So that's really fun for me. So, yeah, yeah, me, me too. And then we got to meet actually in person in Dallas, which was such a gift too. It's just, I love how God brings certain people in our lives, especially when we least expect it. It's just such a gift. It has been a really sweet connection. Well, I want to start before we dive in, I want to just give us a quick reminder about the passage that we're in, and I'm going to read it for us real quick. Um, So this passage picks up after Joseph's family has gone through all the food that they got on their first trip to Egypt and Joseph's father, who he goes by two names, which can be a little bit confusing sometimes, both Israel and Jacob, he uh, has to face his fear and make a hard decision to send the brothers back to obtain more food and try to get Simeon who. Joseph has held back as a prisoner, uh, and they're going to try and go get him released. Um, now, another thing that's interesting in this passage is Israel and the brothers have no idea who Joseph is. And so they call him the man, uh, in the beginning of this passage. So as I'm reading it, just know that that's who they're referring to. So this is a reading of selected verses from Genesis 43. Then their father, Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this, put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift, a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once and may God almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. 
So the men took the gifts and double the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were. And then he said, how is your aged father? You told me about, is he still living? They replied, your servant, our father is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother, Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this your youngest brother? The one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you. My son deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. All right. So we did this passage as a Lectio kind of asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So Rachel, where did the Lord lead you in this? So I first want to say, this is the first time I've ever done this practice. And I'm so grateful that you've introduced it to me. So thank you for that. And I think I cheated a little bit because you said to do a word or a phrase and I chose a verse. So I hope that that's okay. okay. So verse 16 really stood out to me. And it says, um, it says this, it says, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, and then what's in quotes is what really stood out. Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare dinner. They are to eat with me at noon. So that's, that's the section that really stood out. All right. So it's totally fine that you chose a whole verse. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> well, and I think that's one of the things I want people to know is when they're doing this, really let the spirit lead you. Uh, we say a word or a phrase, but sometimes it can even be an idea and yeah. really just kind of letting the Lord lead you there and going with it and trying not to overthink it. So I'm glad that you did where the Lord was leading you. So good job. Uh, Thank so you. Tell, tell me about that verse. Why do you think he led you to that? And what, how does that apply to your life? Give us some context for that. I think the reason that he led me to this verse is because it's such a, a generous and merciful act and it's so unexpected. You know, when we look at, at Joseph and his brothers, like they did the unimaginable to him and they, they did, I mean, it was evil what they did. They, they, that's all this wrongdoing and this intent towards him. And so as we see in these, this verse, it's like, not only is Joseph forgiving them, but then he's opening up his home and he's preparing a feast like to welcome them in. And so it's, it's just this idea of, okay, not only is he forgiving, but he is going above and beyond that and giving them that 
undeserved favor. You know, he could have, if I put myself in his shoes, um, I don't know, would I have acted with revenge instead? Uh, and, and I, not, you know, it even talks about a little bit later about how he provided water for their feet to wash and fodder for their donkeys. And it's again, this idea of going above and beyond what they really deserved. And so I think what it made me think about was the, the prodigal son in Luke 15, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just this, this parallel between those two stories and in, in that story, if um, the listeners aren't familiar, or even if you are just to, to remind you, you know, this, the son had basically squandered his father's wealth. And he finally, you know, when he's at the lowest of lowest points, he finally comes back to his father and his father greets him the same way that Joseph met his brothers. He, he welcomed him. He was celebrating him. He said, like, go and kill, you know, the animals for a feast and let's rejoice because my son that was lost is now found. And then I think the reason that those two stories get me so excited is because it, it foreshadows what Jesus does for us. Uh, you know, how he is waiting to open up his home despite all of our wrongdoings, despite all of our sin and how he not only forgives us, but he celebrates us and he gives us all this undeserved uh, favor. And, and he's just patient uh, to, to wait for us to come to him. He won't force us. And, um, and I think something that I noticed in these verses too, is that these brothers, you know, they, they, they gathered all these treasures to bring. And I think how much I have a tendency to do that as well. It's like, well, I'm going to earn my way in, you know, but I've got to prove to God that, you know, even though I know I've sinned, I'm going to work and earn and strive. And he, in, in, um, let me find the verse in 23, you know, it's, it actually says that um, God, your father has given you all the treasure in your sex. Like it's nothing we've done anyway. It's all his yeah. to begin with that we're, you know, bringing to him. And so um, I think, all that to say that all, all of those, those pictures of, of forgiveness and undeserved favor and um, what, how that parallels and foreshadows what Jesus does for us. I really love that you connected that to Jesus and what he does for us. And I think, you know, as you were talking about this meal, the other thing I started thinking was, and how abundantly extravagant it was because they are in the middle of a famine. Mm. They are there because they are literally starving to death. And he kills an animal for them. Like, I wonder when the last time they ate meat was. And so not only is it hospitable, right, to invite these people that have done utter shameful wrong to him. He's, he's so extravagant and so generous. I can't even, I can't even imagine um, that is such a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. And then, you know, I, another parallel that I had thought of in between Joseph and, and the story, actually it was Jacob, the father, how, um, in the very beginning, let me find the verse. Um, it's, it's actually at the very beginning when it's Jacob is willing to give up his son, Benjamin yeah. for the, um, benefit of all the brothers, And I think, isn't that what Jesus, God, God, the father did for us when he gave his only son, Jesus for, for our benefit. Mm, mm, That's a good parallel too. Yeah. Jacob really has to fight his fear. Um, and I, I love, uh, since you kind of brought us back to that place, I love that word, um, in verse 14, if I'm bereaved, I am bereaved. It's just this like settled okay, if this is going to happen, it's almost to me like an Esther moment when she's like, and if I perish, I perish. And he's, he's just saying, and, 
And if I don't get my son back, I release him to you. And it's a moment of faith, which we haven't, Jacob needed to have at that moment because he was holding on tightly and everyone was going to die. So yeah. And, oh, that's a good, that's a good Christ moment too. So Rachel, tell me, how does this connect to your life right now? I think first it causes me to kind of confess how undeserving I am of God's love Mm -hmm. and thank him for his mercy and forgiveness for me personally. And then it also causes me to consider if I have wronged others that I might need to go ask them for their forgiveness. And then it also causes me to consider if there's someone who has wronged me that I need to stop holding a grudge and forgive. And then I'm challenged by, you know, the father, the prodigal son's father and by Joseph to not simply stop at just forgiveness, but to go above and beyond like, like those two men showed us and, and celebrate them and celebrate the restoration of the relationship. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because you know, we I consider mean, a lot yes, of things. Didn't well, <laughs> in, in a really good way. I mean, I think those are, those are soul searching things we have to do. Um, and how do we sit in the presence of people that have wounded us? Um, and you know, this is something that we're going to keep discovering in this story of Joseph and his brothers is that he forgives them and, and they still are so scared. He's going to do something in the end. And he has to tell them over and over and over again, no, I've actually really released you from this. Um, and that's, and that's later, you know, so keep, keep coming and listening to the rest of, of, um, this story. Cause it's, it's really an amazing story of seeing that God redeems everything. So even those places of people that have wounded us is knowing that God can use that pain it doesn't mean the pain's good. It doesn't mean the wounding was good. It doesn't mean what happened to Joseph was good. It was actually evil what they did to him. And yet God, because our God is so amazing and because of the grace and mercy that he has uses it for good. I don't, it's yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And, you know, and two other things that I hope it's okay that I mentioned that I, that I noticed is that Jacob actually prayed and may God almighty grant you mercy before the man Mm -hmm. before they left. So he prayed this, this prayer of mercy and his prayer was answered. And I, and I don't know, I mean, we, we can only guess what if he hadn't prayed for mercy would, you know, but God answered, answered that prayer. And so I think what it does for us, when we think about um, our own lives and we think about this whole situation and just in context in general is that sometimes um, God doesn't, if, if we think about where they were, they were in famine, they were praying for relief, probably for a very long time. And um, how often we are praying for relief and we, when we are suffering, and if God doesn't respond as quickly as he, sh- as we think he should, does he have something better in store? You know, there's a, this overall plan of God's this famine and this, this trial led them to healing and Joseph. And, and so are our sufferings and our trials and the apparent lack of answer from God leading us to this greater treasure eventually that God has in store. Oh yeah. I think I'm glad you pointed that out. I, the, you know, the whole story arc of Joseph's story, we get to see the beginning middle and end of, so it's easy for us to pull back and see 
how God used this evil to actually preserve an entire nation. Like the purpose of Joseph's life was so much bigger than the years of suffering that he had to endure, um, to save. And again, Christ figure, right? There's so many parallels to, uh, you know, Christ suffered and then it was redemption for an entire people group, all people, uh, Joseph suffered and it was a redemption for the people group, God's Mm -hmm. people, um, the nation of Israel. So I, I'm glad you brought that up as well. Well, it makes me think about, and since you've written this Bible study and you, you, maybe you can answer this question, but like the, the beginning to end so often we're tempted to read these biblical stories and, and are like, oh gosh, this forgiveness process was, was pretty quick, but really it wasn't, it was such a long process with, I'm yeah. sure a lot of long and painful days and nights and, and thinking through and praying through these things. And so I think for me, I want to just remind us all, like, there's some grace there that this this process of forgiveness and and then eventually learning to celebrate and feast with the people that have wronged you may take a long time. Um, yeah. and so it won't be just such an immediate or feel so, so immediate, I guess, like this story feels. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I'm really grateful for is that the text points out, and I believe it's three different times. It's twice in this passage that we read, but that Joseph weeps. I mean, like mm. he like guttural cries, over the grief and sadness of loss of broken relationship. I mean, you can only imagine all of the things that are going through his mind as he withdraws from them to just have this moment of, of grieving and sadness and weeping. And so I do, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there is grace. It is a process. Um, one of the things that I love studying characters of the Bible, because I think we have to slow ourselves down to really enter into their story. We get a few, like, you know, Joseph's in prison and it's, it is encapsulated after two full years had passed. Like, so two years is encapsulated with like six or seven words. So we have to slow down and really see how, how many months and days are passing as Joseph is moving through the process of forgiving his brothers. And, um, you know, the whole fact of sitting down with his enemies, uh, the, the reality is for us, that may not actually happen on this side of heaven. That's mm-hmm. okay. There are probably some people that we, it's not healthy for us to be in relationship with, and yet there will be a restoration in heaven. And when everyone is healed, that's where that, um, joyous celebration can happen. Yeah. Ideally it happens here where we both, where we've all surrendered to Jesus and let him do the healing. Um, and Joseph is a great example of that. Yeah. And, and what a beautiful day that will be. I just, I just think that so much of this isn't in and of ourselves and something we can do in our own power. You know, this is this kind of compassion, this kind of forgiveness is, is really only the work of the Lord in our lives. It is a miraculous, uh, Mm -hmm. gift when he gives it. Well, you know, one of the things that I, want to do, Rachel, is have people hear from you, um, as a mother of two still youngish children and writing and podcasting, you've got a ton going on in your life. How is it that you maintain, um, your relationship with the Lord? How are you creating space for God in your life? Um, I feel really fortunate that the work that I do is 
in the Christian realm because I do feel like I get to read and write and talk about the Lord um, all day, every day, pretty much. Um, I do try to start my day, I set my alarm, start my day in the word. That's a practice that um, really helps me just making that a priority and, and starting my day in that way. Of course, there are the days that don't always go that way, but um, I try to do that. I try to listen to podcasts and sermons when I work out and walk. I love to listen to worship music, um, of course, attending church. But yeah, every day, for the most part, I have my laptop open, my Bible open, and I'm trying to to read his word, listen to what he's telling me, and then write it in the page and try to share it um, via podcast or, or via devotional. So, um, and then get to have conversations like this. I, I feel like all, all I don't know, I, I just feel so fortunate that my conversations um, revolve so much around him. And that's so life-giving uh, to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it is a gift. I totally agree. Well, I also would love to hear a little bit about your devotional. You shared with me before we started recording that you just put like the last period on the rough draft. And so that's super exciting. So tell us a little bit about your devotional. So it's called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. And um, the real the real reason that the felt need behind it, I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I'm a small town Kentucky girl that's a wife and a mom and a friend and a church member, you know, a daughter. And I started questioning whether what I was doing mattered and if there was any value to it, you know, so many, it is as much as I enjoy it, a lot of it is very quiet and I can be alone some days, all day, every day, and and nobody really sees what I do. And so um, I have a feeling that a lot of women listening, you know, are going about their jobs, whatever those are, you know, we're doing laundry and dishes and cooking and computer work and, um, you know, just in your office spaces, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I think that that feeling of wanting our lives to matter, but wondering if it does is kind of a unifier of us all. And so I really wanted all of us to to start to believe that every little thing that we do when, when we give it to the Lord and in his hands, he's going to take it a very long way. And so I think it's really important. It's this, this idea of of purpose for people and believing that um, their life is God is using their life and what they're doing all day, every day. Mm, I love that. And so timely, I mean, I mean, men and women, honestly, I think there are so many things that we do that feel mundane and small. And yet God God sees those things. And as done unto the Lord, I think you're right. He takes those little seeds. And and I'm just even thinking about Joseph, you know, Joseph, they, you know, everybody in the Bible, they were shepherding or threshing or, you know, even Joseph was, he was just stewarding the the country's thing, you know, like he was just doing ordinary, he was, and he was a prisoner and God was using every choice and every, every action and every relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get to see how he used it. And so I pray that we just, we do give every little thing that we do to the Lord. And and at the end, we'll look back and be like, oh, okay, God, you did take that a really long way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how many times Joseph wondered, does my life matter anymore? Is there anything left of significance, you know, sold as 17 year old uh, and, you know, he's, he's put into this position, like we're meeting him. He's around probably 37, 38, 39. It's hard to know how many years they're into the famine, 
the famine start or the abundance started when he was 30. The famine starts when he's 37. So, you know, let's say he's 39, 40. <laughs> um, I, I just wonder from 17 to, you know, that time, what did he think? And how many times did he have to really wrestle with, I don't know if this is significant. I don't know if you've actually forgotten about me. What is my life worth? And the thing I love about Joseph and the thing I think we can learn about him, which is exactly what you're saying is he just kept setting his face back to the Lord. He just, every time he had the opportunity, every time we read about him, we hear him trusting God. We hear him choosing to have faith in the midst of unthinkable things and um, so yeah, I think you're talking about the exact same thing. Love that. Okay. I have a little lightning round of questions to close us. Just something fun. So just first thing that pops into your mind. So I feel closest to Jesus when, when, gosh, this is the first thing that popped into my head. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> when I look at my children, mm. they're just, they're just such miracles. And I know they're a gift from him. And, um, and to think that, you know, God introducing me to my husband then resulted in this, these children and this family and, um, they're my favorite people. And so, yeah, I think just in creation in general, um, you know, nature and animals and, and then of course, like the creation of my children is just mm. beautiful. I love that. So one thing that I learned in COVID was. Oh, I would have said it was to slow down, but now that COVID, well, of course, COVID is still kind of, um, it seems like it's coming back here, but we just reentered society just like we did with like just as fast and furious as we did before. So I thought I learned to slow down, but we just, we just reentered. And I think we, we, for it was such a, we enjoyed our quiet time at home as a family, but I also think that it showed me how important relationships are. Mm. Um, and so I did miss those relationships, but it was hard to enter, enter back into that. Cause I'm a, kind of introverted. And so you kind of get in your own little, um, quiet cocoon and then you don't, you forget to how to interact with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's more like one thing you forgot in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't okay. yeah, I answered your question <laughs> no, no. in a strange way. Sorry. Perfect. No, it's perfect. Okay. Last one. Uh, favorite verse or a verse that you've been thinking a lot about lately. So this one was actually easier for me. Um, you, 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 luckily you kind of gave me a heads up on this. Um, but it was easy for me to think about because my sister-in-law had just over Labor Day weekend. She was talking about the prayer of Jabez mm. and, um, it's tucked away. It's in first Chronicles four and verse 10, and it's tucked away all in this genealogy. And then all of a sudden this prayer is, is in there. And it says this, it says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And then it says, and the Lord granted his request. Mm -hmm. And so my sister-in-law had challenged me. She said, I'm going to start praying this daily over myself, over my family, over my community, over the country, over the world. And so I'm starting to do the same thing. And I want to challenge everybody who's listening to do the same thing as well. And so basically she's saying, Lord, show, show me favor, which is not wrong. Um, it's, it's scriptural, uh, enlarge my territory, but gosh, God, when you do enlarge my territory, cause we've seen in the Bible when God has enlarged territories and he didn't stay the focus that 
um, lots of bad can happen. So Lord, protect me, keep your hand on me and protect me from evil so that I can steward this well for you, for your glory and your kingdom uh, alone. So that's, that's my favorite verse right now. Oh, that's really good. Thank you for quoting that, unpacking it a little bit for us. And I love the whole concept of praying and then God granting the request. And I think that's really powerful to me that a lot of times we think, why bother even praying? I mean, sometimes we think that, and I think, no, we're supposed to boldly ask God because he does grant requests. Um, sometimes the answer is no, but, um, but he does, he does, he does grant those requests. Yeah. He hears us. He does. He definitely does. Well, Rachel, tell people where they can find you. So I am on social media at Rachel Adams author, and then you can find me online at rachelkadams.com. And that's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. It's a little bit different spelling, but I would love to connect with um, everyone. And then also you can uh, listen to the Love Offering podcast every Tuesday on any listening platform. Yay. Well, I will link to all of that in our show notes and, uh, I want to invite everybody to join us next week because we're going to be exploring a passage of scripture where Joseph uses his family, or I'm sorry, he uses his power, not his family to protect his family. And, uh, Joseph's father, Jacob learns that he's alive. And so it's a really powerful little passage there. So as a reminder, this series does line up with the Bible study trust, which is a study of Joseph for persevering through life's challenges. There's also a link for that in the show notes. You can absolutely listen to the podcast without the study, but I recommend that you go deeper by um, really studying the life of Joseph and this uh, podcast complements that. So thank you for joining me on so much more where Jesus does have so much more to say to us. And we are creating space to listen. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once.